Hello and welcome to Don't Talk About It. I'm your host, Dean D. And today our story continues from last week, but this time with a better example. This one is called The Uncomfortable Education. So if you tuned in last week to the episode, I Want My Passy, you learned how I avoided this uncomfortable conversation that I needed to have with my girlfriend at the time in college, where I had already mentally broken up with her in my head. I just kept avoiding and avoiding and avoiding the conversation with her by distracting myself or pacifying myself with more pleasant environments and interactions, whether that was my phone, the computer, Uh, going to the gym, it was all avoidance from the action that needed to take place. So over the years, I've gotten a little better about not being such an avoider and that conversations are actually vulnerable opportunities for you to drop your ego, let down what you know, and be open to what you don't know. And what you've perceived already, there might be more to it. But we don't know unless we take the time to have those conversations. And we focus on what the conversation is actually about. Which is, for me, the uncomfortable education that I put off and put off and put off for so long. And now I welcome it first. Because starting with a better education about the situation and dealing with that box that we lock up and we put in the closet, we don't actually make that box go away by keeping it locked. We can help clear that box by opening it up and addressing some of those things that we lock up. And that's what's going to help us move forward and move on. So this week, my story is about how I did it better this time around. So this story takes place about three years ago at my work. And I, at the time, was um, overseeing an entire wellness division. um, And I was in charge of everything related to wellness. So anything happened, it came to me. And there was nobody else who could answer the question besides me. Um, Just through the policies and procedures, the buck stopped with me. I had the final word. And there was some conversations that came with that level of ownership and accountability that came with that persona of who you are and what you're supposed to be. And I learned that if the buck stops with me and I ignore the conversation, then nobody really gets an answer, do they? They're left to their own devices to draw their own conclusions because I'm being avoided. So what happened is we had some changes that took place from our corporate office And I had the option of 
figuring out how to address this problem. So we had a budget cut and I had to make a decision and it was kind of a flip of a coin between two things. One of them had to be cut, not completely, just, you know, reduced hours. And the other one could stay functioning as is. And what I did is I sat down and I looked at all the perspectives that I can think of, where the benefits were, how many people were involved in each one, what is the overall effect um, of this activity or event, um, because those are all important bits of data for me to help draw a conclusion. I also reached out to other people in the groups and got their perspective and really tried to get a well-rounded understanding before I made the decision. Knowing that whatever decision I made, I was going to have people who were pissed off on either side of the coin. And that was part of it. And I first was scared about that. And then I started welcoming it. Because then I realized I could learn through this. If I ignore those people who are upset, I don't learn anything. But if I hear them, not just giving them an opportunity to speak, but giving them an opportunity to be heard is the difference. I would learn something, but I would only learn it if I went into the conversation non-biased with an open slate and ready to listen and not instantly discount what was coming out of their mouth before I got a chance to reply. But actually paying attention to why they were there. Not just what they were saying, but how they were acting. People's body languages tell you a lot. And we tend to ignore them. Even though we communicate with what, like 90 plus percent of our body is, of our communication is through our body language and is nonverbal, but we fixate so much on the words. So I made this decision on Friday and it rolled out on that day because that was kind of the deadline and I didn't want to release it on a Friday, but it just ended up happening that way through other logistics. And I rolled this out Friday. I tried to stick around later in my office so that I could answer questions for people who were upset. And I ended up leaving at the end of the day um, with, I thought, some good conversations. And over the weekend, there was one gentleman who came down and was furiously pissed about my decision. Couldn't comprehend what would even allow me to make this decision, why I would do this, it seemed unheard of to him. He spent the whole weekend stewing, telling everybody he came in contact with that Dean was going to get a piece of his mind come Monday. And I heard about this over the weekend. And, you know, I thought about calling him right away and dealing with it. And then part of me thought, no, I am trying to pacify my uncomfortableness by calling him over the weekend. This isn't appropriate. We talked during work time. I was really strict about my boundaries with that so I can have work-life balance. And I knew come Monday 
there was going to be a storm brewing. I was going to be put in the stockades and have the fruit thrown at me. The rotten fruit. I knew it was coming. And so I spent the weekend really thinking about all everything that went into this decision. And by the end of it, I still felt that I had made the best decision based on the information that I had at hand. I felt confident about what I did. I didn't feel good about it, but I felt confident about it. It's kind of like, you know, when you have to pick between like two different desserts and you like want them both and getting one, you know, it, it tastes good, but like your ultimate satisfaction is to, is to have both, but that's just not possible. So what you end up doing is feeling good about the decision you made. And so for me, choosing between those two things, I understood I couldn't have them both. So I had to feel good about the choice that I was making. And I did. So come Monday, I drove into work. And I usually get there about 7.30. And I got early this that morning. I was there about 7.20. And my phone rings. And it's um, my wellness assistant. My lead wellness assistant. And she calls and says, hey, Jim is here for you. I knew it. I was like, oh, I knew it. I said, I told her that. I said, okay. I kind of expected him to be there. Let him know I will be there momentarily. And she goes, and he's pissed. I go, okay. Thank you for that information. I said, um, don't, no need to get involved in the situation. Uh, I said, just inform him that I will be there. I hung up the phone and I sat in my car and I just was like, oh, I don't want to go have this conversation. It's not going to be good. Nothing from this is going to be good. Even though I felt that I had made the correct decision, I didn't feel good that the decision had to be made due to budgetary reasons. And I just sat there. And I thought, you know what, Dean, the longer you sit here, the more you are going to stir yourself up and drive yourself crazy. Go have it. Just go have it. You've already thought this through a hundred times over. You've already thought this through. Just go have it. And I walked up there and I walked into my office and I came around the corner and there's Jim. He had grabbed a folding chair and placed it right outside my door and was sitting there with his arms crossed, just waiting. As soon as I come around the corner, before I could get out any word, the first thing he says, about time I found you. I need to speak with you now. I said, Jim, we can do that. In my mind, I had anticipated this conversation, looked through my calendar, and over the weekend, I had pushed a couple appointments out because I, I figured dealing with this first thing Monday morning was absolutely the priority, or else it was going to be on my mind the rest of the day, and all the other interactions I have, it was not going to be fair to be distracted for those interactions. So I said, come into my office, Jim. Can I get you a cup of coffee, a glass of water? He goes, no. Okay. We sit down. I shut the door. 
And he tears me up one side and down another. 100% emotionally charged. And I realize this fully when his points start blurring together and he's making a counterpoint to his previous point. And then he's just building himself on pure emotion. And so I stopped and I said, Jim, I agree with you. I didn't want to make this decision from day one. And I sat there and I told him that I had thought about everything through and I got everybody's perspective that was like the key players in each of the activities in the areas. And I weighed everything out. And it wasn't good enough of an answer for Jim. He just kept going on and kept going on. And you got to find a way and you got to. And I realized that Jim really was upset, but he didn't understand why. And I said, Jim, I said, what? Why are, are you so upset about this? What is it that is just pissing you off to your core? And he started to talk about all these other budgetary cuts that were happening. And he felt that his services, his safety, he was promised when he moved in that he was going to be taken care of. And some of the things that were happening were going against that promise. And I was on that same horse. I was taking something away from him. And I said, Jim, that is unfair. You are 100% correct. I am sorry that you were led to believe something else. And right there, Jim changed his attitude. He wanted to be heard. He was upset and he had gone from director to director to director and he felt like nobody was listening. They kept trying to pacify him and push him off and not take the ownership. Did I make the budgetary cut? No. But it is my responsibility to see how that budgetary cut is transcended onto the engagement of the residents of that community. That is something I take full ownership for, Jim. And I started to gain his respect. Because I was focusing on Jim. Not on my ego. Not on being right. Not on trying to prove my case. But listening to the main reason why he was there. And I told him. Jim, I've never experienced anything like this. I have no idea what you're going through. But I can see why you're upset. And that's the other thing that I feel like we do sometimes. Is we say, I understand how you feel. And when we do that, we instantly discount that person. We try to do it to be relational with them. And say, oh, uh, you know, I know how you feel. I'm, I'm trying to relate to you. 
And it's like, no, 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 no. You're literally just stealing their microphone and saying, I know how you feel. And that's not usually what people are looking for, is to hear, I, I, I know this already. Especially if the experience hasn't happened to you. So I try to say things more like, I'm sorry that happened. Or I'm really, I don't know how that feels, but I could see how it's upsetting you. Focusing on them. That conversation there was for Jim. I had already made my decision. There was nothing I could do to switch that decision. It had already been processed. And telling Jim the decision had already been made is discounting what he actually wants out of the conversation, which is to be heard. To feel like his opinion is valued and important. And this conversation sucked. It was not something that I was looking forward to until we got to that point. And then the conversation started to flip and it got better and Jim started to smile and it ended with, I still don't agree with this new management and the budget cuts and what is going on around here, but I respect you for your transparency and your ownership. And I said, Jim, do you still like me? And he goes, getting better. <laughs> and it was just a nice little like light tone to kind of end the conversation. Um, but if I were to put off Jim constantly and brush him off and brush him off and not return his phone calls or tell him that I had an 8 o'clock meeting, all I'm doing is prolonging the inevitable of what needs to happen for Jim to move on, for me to move on. I'm avoiding it because it's uncomfortable. But I learned something that day through my uncomfortable education. I learned that the majority of the people I interacted with were not really upset about the decision that had been made. They were more upset that they didn't feel involved in that decision. Had I been closed-minded, I would have never learned that. And a couple little tips to kind of end our session. One thing I really like to do when I have one of those uncomfortable conversations is I practice in the mirror. And I look at myself. I make sure to make eye contact with myself. And as I start having this conversation, something usually comes to surface. And it is usually the feeling that is holding me back from that conversation. The emotion, the worry, the fear. Fear of being judged. Fear that this conversation might end a friendship. Fear that this conversation might not go how I want it to. Are my words going to be correct every step of the way? But I'm able to pinpoint what it is that's holding me back from that conversation by listening to those feelings that come up during this practice. The other thing that really helps me is understanding what I want out of this conversation. 
and understanding that that might change during the conversation. Am I going into a conversation because I want to be right and I want to prove my point and I want to validate my ego? Or am I going into a conversation because I want to better the relationship, open my mind, open my consciousness to listening to what other people's perspectives are in life, learning from it, but pinpointing what you need out of that conversation and if you have any non-negotiables. For me, my non-negotiable was the conversation with Jim that I couldn't go back and add more money to the budget. That was a non-negotiable. So spending time on that was very short because it was outside of my control. So practice your conversations. Pay attention to your feelings. Understand what it is about the conversation that is so important to you. I know when my wife and I start to have these conversations that are uncomfortable, my main focus is to understand her better as a relationship supporter, as a spouse, as a companion. If I go in there wanting to prove that I'm right, the only relationship I'm validating, improving upon, and making better is the one that I have with my egotistical self. I'm never wrong. I'm always right. So, those uncomfortable conversations can be done better. And understanding that they're not always going to go the way you want them to go is part of that process. But knowing why those conversations are important to you, what you want out of those conversations, and how you're going to grow from them are factors that add to our higher consciousness and our better self. Jim and I stayed good friends to this day. And I've learned so much from him. And I'm really glad that I took the time to take ownership and make that conversation happen. Thank you for your ears. Thank you for your time. Have a splendid day.